You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. I thank God that I grew up in church. There's not been a season in my life. There have definitely been unpleasant times or moments I've had in church, but there has not been a season in my life where I was not grateful and thrilled to be part of God's family. I remember growing up and... uh, you know, being part of obviously school and I had a part-time job at McDonald's and I had friendships and relationships at work and school. But on the inside of me, I always thought to myself, I can't wait for the weekend. Can't wait to be with my real friends. Can't wait to be with my people, my tribe. There's something so special about God's house and I don't know how you found yourself here today and maybe you've come from a season of disillusionment with the church. Maybe you were abused in God's house. Maybe you were disappointed or let down. I want to tell you today, don't give up on the house of God. The house of God is God's modern day ark of salvation for mankind. And I'm telling you that the house of God is beautiful. And I wanna speak today about how wonderful God's house is. The title of my message is Take Me to Church. I'm gonna read from Psalm chapter uh, psalm number 84, and it, it's, a, it's a beautiful psalm written by people called the Sons of Korah. And we're gonna get into their story a little bit, but I wanna start by sending out the Word of God today. It says this, How lovely is your dwelling place. How lovely, how awesome is church, God. My soul yearns, everything about me is longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage on this journey of life. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. That's a word for somebody here today. Till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord our God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in You. Here, the sons of Korah are revealing a picture of the magnificence of God's house. And today I just wanna break this Psalm down and, and pull it out into three points of what you and I are privileged enough to experience as we make God's house our house. You ready? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. First thing that we need to know about God's house is that it is a home for everyone. I love it when the Psalmist describes it in this way. Even the sparrow has found a home. 
Think about it for a second. Even the sparrow, the insignificant, maybe the forgotten, the overlooked. And right here, the sons of Korah are commending the sparrow. You may not feel like you've been invited or sometimes even that you're necessarily welcome. But I wanna tell you today, the Bible here in this Psalm tells us that there is a place for even those amongst us who feel like we might be a little bit the sparrows of life. Maybe today you're in here and you've come into this place and you're feeling all kinds of feelings about whether I belong, whether I don't belong, and am I holy enough to be in God's house. Let me just dispel some myths for you today. The Bible tells us that, that it's not that we come to Jesus only when we're washed and we're holy. He's like, come to me as you are. You today may feel like a sparrow who has snuck your way into the house of God, but the Bible tells me that Jesus will not push aside anyone who comes to Him. So it doesn't matter what you've done or what you've become, God's house is a home for everyone. I grew, I grew up and I did a lot of my spiritual church leadership teething in a place called South Auckland. Now, South Auckland is the roughest part, one of the most violent cities in the Southern Hemisphere. So I may look like I'm not tough, <laughs> but don't let looks deceive you because I cut my teeth in the ghetto of South Auckland. Now, there was a particular time in our church where there were a whole lot of gang members getting saved. I mean, revival broke forth. And I wanna tell you today, it doesn't matter how dark a place looks, that's where the light of Jesus shines all the brighter. Here's the truth. The Bible says where sin abounds, God's grace abounds all the more. And so revival was hitting this little town in South Auckland and, and gang members were getting saved by their scores. I mean, we had multiple rival dueling gangs in our city. There was always violence. Our city in South Auckland, Manukau, was known for its decapitations in gang fights. It was heavy, okay? It was a heavy duty land. And here were Pastor Jürgen and I, we were, I was still a teenager and we were newly married and newly into the ministry and we were thrust into this environment as youth pastors. And so there were scores of these gang members getting saved. And so all of a sudden, our church congregation and family looked a whole lot more colorful. <laughs> Full of sparrows, if you will. And so we found that, that as these people were getting saved, they were coming in and you know, getting delivered and healed and, and born again and their lives being transformed. There was one particular guy, his name was Lucky. Now I, I've told this story before, so those of you who have heard it, you're gonna hear it again for the benefit of those who have never heard it for the first time. But I love the story of Lucky because it's, it's a story of someone who maybe many people would think was a sparrow and yet he found his home in God's house. He found a place where he could lay his young, just like this psalm, in God's house. One particular day, uh, uh, Lucky, who had become an usher after four weeks, because the church has always been known for its neediness. I mean, we can't help it. It's like trying to get people to serve is like, you know, it's, it's like trying to get water from a rock sometimes. So, so when you have someone who's on fire for God and they get passionately saved and they're just so inspired and grateful for, for the vision that, that served them, they wanna serve the vision back. And, and he was lucky. He, he became an usher and because we were a church of great need and we were experiencing revival, we made him head usher after six weeks, okay? 
So this particular Sunday, because we'd been getting a lot of gang members saved, a rival gang had heard that another rival gang had a lot of church mem- a lot of gang members in this particular church, and they they had a score to settle, and so so they thought they were going to take care of business within the within the, the the sanctity of the church. So this one particular Sunday, through double doors, just like those ones over there, bursting through the double doors came this this guy, I mean, and he was livid. He was angry. He had a score to settle with one of the other gang members who was in our church. And as he came in, immediately the demons on the inside of him got aggravated and he turned his focus and attention to our pastor who was preaching on the stage. And so this guy is running forward and he's breathing murderous threats and violence and there's swearing and there's cussing and there's spitting and there's vileness coming out of this man as he walks and charges forward to our pastor. But then, cut scene to Lucky. Lucky, head to toe in leather with a suit jacket he'd found somewhere with an Usher badge on it. And this was Lucky's lucky day. And so you just see him come alive all of a second. Like I was born for such a time as this. This was his Esther moment. And there is a glint in his eyes. He stands up and he runs toward the person who was rushing toward my pastor and grabs him in a headlock. And then he gets him by the neck and he runs him using his head as a battering ram to open the double doors. Now, what is happening with Lucky and this other guy is actually far more interesting than anything that had been happening at the church service. So everybody just stopped what they were doing and followed him out the door to see what would happen next. And as we walked out, we looked in the parking lot and we saw Lucky with this guy in a headlock repeatedly punching him in the stomach, saying, stop disrespecting the effing pasta. I tell you that story today to tell you, even the sparrow has found a home. Doesn't matter how messy you are, there is a place for you in God's house. You're welcome here. I don't know what kind of life you had before you got here today or what kind of lifestyle you may even currently be in, but I'm telling you, God wants you in His house. His house is the only boat afloat. It's where we find redemption. It's where we find wisdom that our life is surely lacking. And I'm telling you, Lucky's life was transformed in the house of God. He didn't say, stay a a cussing gang member for very long. You know, sometimes it takes time for our behaviour to catch up with the transformation that's happened in our spirit. Our spirit comes alive, but our emotions, our personality, our soul realm is kind of very slowly but surely being redeemed into the person that God always created created us to be. Even the sparrow has found a home. I don't want you to be discouraged today. It doesn't matter how you see yourself or where you find yourself, God's house is a home for everyone. And I hope today that as we encounter sparrows out in South County, in South Bay, as we encounter those people that need to hear about the gospel that saves, delivers and heals, that we welcome them in because they're welcome. Even the sparrow has found a home, a place where they can lay their young. You know, I love that story because it has multiple meanings. In one hand, it means that we're able to bring our children and see them flourish. Maybe you have had an experience or a legacy in your family and God is looking at you today to be the cycle breaker. 
And, and I find it hard when parents say, well, I'm going to come to church, but you know what? My kids don't want to come. Well, are they your dependents? Are they living under your roof? Are you paying their so- cell phone bills and buying their groceries? Then when mum and dad go to church, guess what? They go too. You know what? As a parent, you are God's designated leader in that home. So that means you're going to have to lead. That means on Sunday morning when they're sitting there, I'm tired. I'm tired because I went to school six hours a day. Oh, dear God. we got to prepare these little cuties for real life. Get them up on Sunday morning. You know what I love about Joshua? He didn't say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Oh, I got a personal conviction about what I'm going to do. No. I love Joshua because he said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. In other words, I'm not going to God's house on my own. I'm bringing my family with me. Some of you mums and dads need to put on the leader pants again and pick your kids up off the couch and say, you're coming to church. I thank God for a mum and dad who didn't let me wriggle out because of how I was feeling in every given moment on the weekend. I thank God for the example they set for me, that they didn't let me default to, to my worst possible bents. Even the sparrow has found a home. There is a place for you in God's house and He can redeem your story. He can redeem your family just like He did for Lucky. I remember another woman who attended church with us in, in South Auckland and I'm telling you, it was a devast- hers was a devastating story. We got, Pastor Jürgen and I were obviously pastors at the church there and some young girls ran up to us and they said, Pastor Jürgen, Pastor Jürgen, there's a woman in the back row who's hitting her baby. And straight away, as I had two children of my own at that stage, I felt like all my mama bear instincts go off. Like I am gonna go down there and I am gonna give that woman a piece of my mind. How dare she? And as we walked up, we saw a very broken woman. She honestly physically looked about 40 years of age, but she was actually 20. Such had been the burden of her life. And sure enough, she's got this little 18 month old baby and as the baby is crying, she's kind of punching the baby to keep it quiet. And my husband, who is an incredible discerning man and a beautiful pastor walked up and put his arm on her, put his hand on her shoulder. And immediately she went, like she was scared, like getting ready to run. And Jürgen said, no, 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 don't go. We've got somewhere where we can take your baby to, to, to enjoy Sunday school while you sit and enjoy the service. Can we take your baby to Sunday school? So she's like, yep, yep, okay. So we took little baby Brett and we put him in Sunday school and his little body was covered in sores and scabs and it had a diaper on that looked like it hadn't been changed in 24 hours. And we fixed him up and we put diaper cream on him and we found some clean clothes and put them on him. And during the course of the service, this woman responds to the altar call. She gives a life to Jesus. And in the, uh, Christi- the counselling afterwards, the follow-up, this is why this is so important, that we don't run out of church during the altar call because there are people here that actually need to hear about the love and the restoring power of God. Even the sparrow has found a home. 
I wonder what sparrows are in our midst like this woman was that actually need to hear the gospel, but for your hurry to get out and get the, you know, the, the first place in line at that restaurant that you want to go to for lunch, you've, oh, I wish we wouldn't be so casual. We would, we would understand how wonderful, how magnificent and how important it is that what happens here every Sunday anyway. In the story, she told us how actually this little baby had been born due to a, a, a rape. She'd been raped. She was part of a gang and she was one of the women that was continually passed around and this little baby had been born due to a, a violent experience that she had. Not only that, but she'd suffered sexual and physical abuse from both her father and her brothers. So here was this very broken woman. Now, if I had have judged her from the symptoms, if I had have judged her from the outward, if I had have looked at her and went, oh my gosh, you're trash, punching your own baby, ugh. Even the sparrow has found a home. We were able to get that woman. We were able to immerse her in a healthy culture where people taught her how to be a parent. Now, it didn't happen overnight, and we absolutely had to work with community services and get little Brett into a place where he was safe while mummy put her life back together. But I want to tell you today, her life was restored. She found a place where she could lay her young. And I'll never forget little Brett. You know, this little boy, we got to, he was five years of age when we left. My son used to stand at the altar of church and, and I think it's something we could even bring back every now and then just like our young people do during praise and worship. And all the kids would stand up the front as the band played and they would all have plastic instruments and they'd be rocking out to Jesus, okay? Now, little Brett's mummy, who had really worked hard to get her life together, didn't have any money, any extra money to buy her son toys or, or plastic instruments. So I could see little Brett, he was about two, two and a half years of age. They'd been in the church around nine months, looking up at my Geordie as he's rocking out with his red guitar, you know, doing all the moves, right? And he was just staring at him in wonder like, wow, look at your red guitar. And I thought, you know what, that's it. I am getting Brett a red guitar. So I went down to our equivalent of Walmart and I bought him the red electric guitar with the batteries, with an extra set of batteries to make sure that he had enough to keep that thing going long after the Energizer bunny had run out. And we handed him that little red guitar. And one of my greatest memories at South City Christian Life Centre in 1998 was watching little Brett with his red guitar standing with all the other kids, rocking out. I knew his story. I knew his mama's story. And I thank God for a place like the church where even the sparrow can find a home. I pray that this will be the signature of C3 San Diego. Come one, come all. There is a place for you in God's house. Jesus said, anyone my father sends me, I will by no means cast them out. Now listen, you may have experienced some religion and some condemnation and some judgment from church folk, but that is not the heart of God. I will not cast out one who comes to me. Come to me, the Bible says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's rest for you, my friend, the sparrow in the house of God. Even the sparrow has found a home. It's a home for everyone. Somebody say amen. amen. I will drink to that. <laughs> it's the home of hope. Yeah. 
I love this. Our world is hopesick. And man, there has been a culture that has been allowed to rise in the church and it's a culture of doubt. You know what my Bible tells me? It doesn't tell me to doubt, it tells me just believe. Just believe, just believe. Have faith in God. Our world is hopesick, but you and I are so blessed. Do you know how blessed you are to be part of the family of God? To get to come to a church that teaches faith, hope and love. God's house is a house, a home of hope. It says this in Psalm 84 verse 6, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. You know what Baca means? It means weeping. It means mourning. It means sorrow. It means distress. And my friends, I wish we never had to walk through the valley of sorrow and tears and weeping and mourning. But alas, because we live in a fallen world, it is gonna be part of our story. But I love this Psalm because it promises us that in the midst of our valley moment, that we will meet God and that place will be transformed into a, into a spring, a place of refreshing, a place where we are restored, where we are renewed, where we find God in the midst of our darkest day. Now, now I've experienced some really dark days. Many of you know parts of my story. I uh, have walked for seven years with a son who was caught up in a very, very real and very, very deadly addiction. And I remember in the midst of those darkest days that I thank God that I came to a church that knew how to put hope in the hand of the hopeless. And that I was in a place where prophetic words would be sent out to bring hope and courage in a time of great despair. I love God's house because it gives you hope even when it feels like, Everything is futile. This is never gonna work. And you will be faced with situations where you are going through a season of mourning. It is in those times that you will feel the presence of God stronger than you ever have before. What does Psalm 23 tell us about our good shepherd? Yea, though I walk through, and in that good news, I walk through. I don't settle, I don't sit there. The Valley of Baca is not your forever destination. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Man, I, I experience the presence of God more when I'm walking through the valley of mourning and weeping than I do when I'm on the mountaintops in the high days. Because it's then when we need Him your, your heavenly father is a good parent. He's a good parent. He's not harsh. He's not estranged from you. Bette Midler had it wrong. God is watching us. God is watching us. She makes him sound like some kind of stalker. God is watching us from a distance because he doesn't want to get dirty or involved in our mess. No, lies, Bette Midler, lies. That's not the truth. The Bible tells me He is a very present help in a time of trouble. Your season of weeping, your season of trouble are not an inconvenience to God. In fact, they draw Him closer to you. I remember when I was having my third son, Tommy, and in Australia, they have a practice of when you have a baby, they will take that baby away from you for the first night so mummy can get some sleep. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I was lying on my hospital bed and it was a busy night at the hospital. 
and there were nurses chattering and there were trolleys going up and down the corridors. It seemed like every woman within, within Kui was having a baby that night. Like babies popping out everywhere. So it was a, a busy time at the hospital. And in the midst of all this noise, in the midst of all this hustle and bustle, in the midst of everything that was going on around me as I'm trying to sleep, I hear a cry. I hear a cry. And I thought to myself, that's my baby. I'd only known him for a couple of hours. And there were so many other cries, but I could distinguish the cry of my child. And so I jumped out of bed, still a little bit drowsy from the epidural. And I kind of uh, inched my way down the hallway into the nurse's station, into the nursery. And sure enough, there was my little boy, my Tommy, crying his little lungs out because he'd coughed up blood that he'd swallowed during the delivery and he was crying out for his mama. And I remember I looked at those nurses and if looks could kill, they probably would have. And I grabbed my baby and I spun him around in his little perspex crib with wheels and I said, I will be taking my baby. You don't mess with the mama of a newborn. And so I got that baby and I took that baby and I said, he will be staying in my room tonight. Oh, Mrs. Metesius, no, no, everything's fine. Oh no, go back to bed, you need to rest. I will be taking my baby. True for me, true for your daddy God. He hears you when you cry. In the midst of the cries of seven million people on planet Earth right now, he knows your cry. And here's what the Bible tells us in Psalm 37. When the righteous cry out, the Lord hears. He is close, Bette Midler, to the brokenhearted. And He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. I wanna tell you today, God's house is a house of hope. It's the home of hope, there is hope for you. You're walking through the Valley of Baca, but it's not your final destination and God is gonna turn it around. You just wait and see. Romans 8.28 will be your story. He will make all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. You watch God turn it around. Don't you run your little booty out of church. You stay in, you cling in, you get ever closer. If you need to laminate your own seat card and put it on the front row, I will not judge you. In fact, I will high five you. I love that. I'm all about that stuff. Oh, sorry, only the most um, high up level leaders get to sit on the front row. I don't care, first in, first serve. If they're late, shame on them, you take their seats. And then when they say, oh, that's my seat, go, well, Pastor Leanne said. Come on, even the sparrow has found a home. Oh, it's the home of hope. I don't know what you're walking through today that has got you troubled and weeping like you're in the midst of your valley of Baca. But here's what I wanna do today. I wanna take even just this moment, right now in the service, if you're walking through a season of sorrow, maybe you've suffered a loss, maybe you've been hurt or betrayed or someone who loved you didn't love you and you've been let down or, or, or bitterly wounded in some way and you find that, that right now you're in the midst of your own valley of Baca. I wanna pray for you. Can I pray for you? that's you, I want you to just lift your hand to the Lord. I just, just lift it up, just as acknowledge a sign of faith and keep it raised. Don't be afraid, because that's all of us at some point. I wish we could, I wish, oh friends, how I wish we never had to go through a hard day, but 
but they're here, that they're gonna happen. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous because you're walking through a hard time doesn't mean that God doesn't like you. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, God's kids. But it goes on to say, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. This is the home of hope. Keep those hands raised. Father, I thank You for these ones. God, and we declare today, just as the Psalm says, Psalm 84, as they walk through the valley of mourning, You will make it into a spring. It will be a memorial of Your faithfulness. It will be a memorial of the fact that You met them in their darkest hour. Father, I thank You today that Your house is a house of hope. And Father, I thank You that they have a great future. I wanna tell you today, winter is about to end and spring is coming. But here's the great thing about winter, because we always all experience winters. God will make it so you can go through winter without becoming cold. Isn't that exciting? Winter, no. He's gonna prepare you for the winter season and you're gonna come out the other side and you're not gonna be cold. God is with you because His house is a house of hope. Somebody say Amen, Amen, Amen. And finally, God's house is the house that satisfies. I love what the sons of Korah say. say, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be an usher I would rather be the person that cleans the toilets. I would rather be the parking lot attendant in the house of God than dwell in the most intimate places that the wicked have to offer. How many testimonies do we need to hear from people who touch the fire to know that it burns? Do we we have to be so rebellious that we have to figure it out for ourselves? I wonder, you know what, I'm not even gonna wonder. I'm gonna declare today that this next generation is gonna be the Daniel generation that even though they may be deported to Babylon, they will not partake of the King's delicacies. Did you know Daniel was 16 when he was sent to Babylon? And yet the Bible says he would not defile himself. I'm telling you today, we gotta have better expectations and an understanding of the capabilities of our teenagers. Oh, they're just a bunch of animals. They're gonna go ahead and have sex and party and take drugs because they're just teenagers. Why? Who says so? Who says that doesn't have to be their story. They can find fulfilment in God's house without touching the fire to go, ooh, that hurts, that smarts. And some of us today, we have guilt over requiring things for our kids because, well, I did it. Oh, see, see, the devil is the master of guilt. Ooh, he'll use it. Well, you can't say to your son and daughter not to sleep around because you did. Oh, that's precisely why you need to tell them because you don't want them to have the same baggage you had. And if you can help it, you wanna send them into marriage undefiled where they don't have a million pieces of themselves scattered in a million other bodies around the world wondering who am I? Oh, we we just gotta get smarter. Stop letting guilt be the motivator for your parenting. Kick the devil out of your parenting and say, just like Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Be honest with them. Have the conversation. You know what, son, daughter, I've been where you've been and I've experienced everything the enemy has to offer and it doesn't satisfy. Learn from me.
I want so much better for you. I want you to have a better experience in relationships. I want you to have a better experience as what it means to actually have a fun life. I'm telling you today, I've never taken drugs in my life and I've never even been close to taking them. And I can have more fun at Starbucks with a free venti ice water than you can have in the VIP room at Las Vegas with bottle service, guaranteed. Way more fun, way more fun. And I can wake up without regrets in the bed with my husband, my own husband. I'm telling you, there is a life out there and see the enemy, he's so tricksy and he will try to get you to believe the lie that God wants to rob from you. Oh, on the contrary, my friends. His paths drip with abundance. What, how does this particular passage of Scripture end? How does Psalm 84 end? And no good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Oh, you think you need to take your life into your own hands to get good things? No, no sir, no ma'am. Trust in the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, O oh God. And I love the sons of Korah because they had really redefined what it meant to be a part of the family of God. Do you know that the sons of Korah were ancestors of the Korah who got struck dead by God in the book of Numbers because he treated the house of God with disdain and casualness. He was in charge. He, he literally, this, this first Korah, this, this Korah that got swallowed up by God, by, a, by an earthquake. See, because it was the Old Testament, if God was mad at you, there was either locusts, <laughs> plagues, fiery serpents, or, or it, it sometimes you're just like, you know what, I'm just gonna open the ground up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what, bam, done. So this was Korah. And the reason God swallowed him up was because he did not treat the house of the Lord with respect. Right. I wonder if that's, just thank God you're living in the New Testament. <sighs> he doesn't swallow us up today. But, but think about it for a second. Have you been like the first Korah, holding the house of the Lord in contempt? Arriving late, leaving early, jumping out during the altar call. People are trying to respond, but they're so aware of your distractedness because you gotta get out of the parking lot first. Come on, Cora. Come on, Cora, don't do that. Oh, how lovely. If you only knew how lovely it was and the place of redemption it was, would it not look different on a Sunday? Would you not speak to everybody you knew? You, know, you gotta come to my church. Yeah, it's the home of hope. Even a sparrow has found a place there and it is the home that satisfies. But these ancestors of the original and evil Korah became different men. They watched the example of their ancestor before them and they said, we don't wanna be like that. And they wrote this Psalm, how lovely is your tabernacle, oh God. Everything had changed. Maybe you came from a line of mockers, of people who actually didn't have respect and, the, and they mocked the church and they mocked God. And maybe they were even part of it and they still mocked it. Oh, you can turn the tide. You can redeem that name. The sons of Korah are now known as the sons who wrote the Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Oh God, even the sparrow has found a home. They were mentored, these sons of Korah, by Obed-Edom. They were Obed-Edom's underlings. Now Obed-Edom is famous because he housed the Ark of the Covenant for three months. 
See, I reckon they looked at Obed-Edom, these sons of Korah, and they said, okay, we've got two examples to draw from. Old granddaddy that got swallowed up by God in the book of Numbers, or we can look to Obed-Edom, who was also a Levite, and look at how his life has increased since he made God's house his house since he had reverence. See, nobody else would touch the Ark of the Covenant, but, but Obed-Edom said, I'm gonna take it and I am gonna honour it the way it needs to be honoured. And as a result, his whole house flourished. Everything he did prospered. And see these sons of Korah, they were smart. They wrote this, this Psalm because they observed. You're smart if you're an observer and you consider the ways of the wicked and the ways of the righteous, and then you make the right choice. And they looked at Obed-Edom and they said, look at how his life flourishes. We want what He's got. We want what He's got. How lovely is your tabernacle, oh God. Have you ever stopped to take a minute to thank God for how awesome it is that you get to be part of a church? That we don't live in red China or North Korea, where to own one of these Bibles, you'll be thrown in jail and tortured. And you have to meet in like secret connect groups that can't be called connect groups. They have to be called something secular, otherwise you'll get shut down. In some places they have only one page of the Bible that they have to read by matchlight in a cave. Oh, but please tell me again how hard it is to come to church on Sunday. I mean, you're gonna feel like an idiot when you meet those saints in heaven and they're telling you their stories of great adversity and persecution. Oh, and what was the hardest thing you went through? Your alarm didn't go off, OMG. How lovely is your Tabernacle, oh God. Oh, we're so blessed. Don't ever forget how blessed you are, even to live in America. You won the lottery when you were born here. Never forget it. And I've lived in, in three different nations. And I tell you, there's a reason I became an American. We got a good over here. All right, that's enough for you to chew on. All right, why don't you, let me think, what do I want you to do? I want you to stand up and I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Some of you today, you need to actually repent. And I don't mean that in the old school Baptist way. I'm, repentance is literally just changing your mind, turning around and saying, I don't wanna be that way anymore. I wanna be this way. That's all repentance is. But some of you need to repent for the things you've said about church and the way you've viewed church. And you need to start again to have a confession like the sons of Korah had. How lovely is your dwelling place, O oh God. Even the sparrow has found a home, a place to lay her young. Some of you have neglected to bring your children and you're saying, I'm gonna let them follow their own path. That is the, the most terrible idea. God gave them parents for a reason because they can't make functional choices on their own. They need a leader, they need a guide. You're that person, bring them to church. Have your kids in kids' church. Talk to Frankie and Maria, be there tomorrow night and hear about the vision that we have for the youth. Our youth do not need to be the collateral damage of another generation that wants to stab God in the heart every day. We can have a generation of Daniels and Esthers believe God that they will be able to step into life without the residue that many of us had to carry into our adult years because of the negligence of our parents. Things can be different. Father, I thank You for Your church. God, today we repent of any ill feelings, of any bitterness that we've harboured in our hearts. 
Father, for the fact that we have let the actions of men in any way disparage the beauty of Your house. Lord God, today we make a fresh commitment and covenant with You. We are gonna be found dwelling in the house of God, not just attending, not just visiting, but dwelling. We are family members. We are in, we are so in God. And we are determined to let Your vision for this city, for South Bay become our vision. God, and I thank You that that You desire to bless us. No good thing, no good thing. What good thing do you need to believe the Lord for today? What good thing do you need to believe Him for today? He's not trying to withhold from you. He's not trying to take life from you. He's trying to bring it. He's the author of life, John 10.10. It's the thief that has come to steal, kill and destroy. But I, I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. Thank you, Lord, for these ones. Touch them today. We thank you for our great church. We love you and we love the church. In Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.